From the Rodney Kiefery Podcast Network, I'm Isaiah Castilleja, and this is Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. In this episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0, Coach Agabau talks to us about his path from volunteer to full-time coach at the highest levels of performance, how a cross-country road trip helped him better appreciate the nuances of our profession, and how he always strives to bring the culture of a team to where he works. All this on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. This episode is brought to you by Optimum Nutrition Athletics. After dominating the sports nutrition industry for over 30 years, the newly created Optimum Nutrition Athletics brings the same trust and quality at a great price. They've worked hard to put convenient nutritional supplement options in the hands of your athletes. Because of the increased demands, ON now offers their third-party tested NSF certified gold standard whey protein powder in 10 pound bags exclusively for their athletics partners. ON even released ready to drink cartons of their gold standard whey protein shakes for your athletes and coaches that are on the go. Colleges and universities across the country have partnered with ON to give their athletes the highest quality nutritional supplements and ON continues to deliver. They provide flexibility and affordability for all their partners. If you'd like to learn more about their expanding line of supplement products, or if you're interested in becoming a partner, contact ON's Rachel Kravitz on Instagram at ON underscore athletics underscore West, or email rkravitz at glambia.com. Welcome everybody back to another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Today, I'm joined by Coach Jay Agabau. He's a senior manager of football performance for the Sports Academy. And prior to that, he was the head strength conditioning coach for the Toronto Argonauts at the CFL. He's also been an assistant strength and conditioning coach uh, for the St. Louis and LA Rams. And with also having stops at Illinois State and Washington State. Thank you, Coach, for joining the podcast, and welcome. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Could you tell us a little about your current role? Uh, so currently at Sports Academy, as you mentioned, with the uh, wonderfully long title, I work primarily in sports performance dealing with football players and elite athletes in general. Uh, working with our team of sports performance uh, coaches, whether they're coaches that are dealing primarily with fitness classes, uh, membership classes or whatnot, as well as athletes uh, ranging in age from, you know, six, some of our youngest athletes up to professional levels. So um, part of my duties also include working with Bishop Alamany High School as their sports performance coach uh, with the football team. And that's what I do year round in addition to working with the NFL players, whether it's combine prep, draft prep, um, as well as the NFL offseason. Quite a broad demographic that you got there. You're working with, with everybody. And I 
saw, and I think on your Instagram, you're working with the high schoolers, but then you're also working with like Aaron Donald as well. Does that help you become a better coach being like, all right, we're working with high schoolers one hour. And then you turn around working with the, the most elite of athletes. Yeah, I think it, it makes me a better coach for all those levels uh, overall, you know, being able to see what I've done with the, you know, the professional players, take take the lessons learned from there and transfer that to the high schoolers and then vice versa, you know, learning that ultimately, even with the professionals, the stuff that works with the high schoolers works for them as well, you know, and, and I'm talking about just keeping things, uh, things simple, sticking to the basics. And then the big thing for me is building relationships, whether it's, you know, with the high school guys, building the relationships there with the collegiate guys as well and with the professionals, because I think ultimately for me, developing organic relationships leads to becoming a better coach and being able to get guys to buy into whatever program you may be administering. Absolutely. Is there, besides the relationship building, which is a a very important thing, is there a, a big difference between if it's high school, you're on the team or previously you've been, uh, you know, working primarily with the teams versus working with the individual or small group of individuals. Is there a difference in how you go about that? Yeah, I would say there, there definitely is a difference as far as coaching small groups versus the team setting. Um, my approach, even in the private sector, is to try to kind of bring that team setting as much as possible, not just in the X's and O's and how you program, but really the culture you create, training guys together, you know, bringing everybody in, you know, this past off season, I had some college guys training with the pro guys and no matter what, you know, made it a big team environment. So it wasn't, you know, a, a clear separation of, hey, he's in the pros, he's a college guy or whatever. Basically, they were all working together and grinding together and trying to build that culture and that camaraderie that you get in the team setting. That's an important factor. I know uh, in the team setting, feed off each other's energy and you're feeding off your athlete's energy, they're feeding off each other and yourself. So, you know, I, I think that that's an awesome thing. What would you say for coaches that have been primarily, you know, a team coach, looking into going into you know private sector even though you're still working with you know high school teams what would you say is the big thing you'd you'd be like I guess what's a big misconception or something that you would tell them be like look here's what you need to consider if you're going from team to small group yeah that's a great question I've actually had this discussion with a few coaches lately kind of looking at career changes and you know obviously with COVID going on there's a lot of different um, challenges that college coaches are facing or team coaches in general I think you know, the biggest misconception is that, um, you know, you lose that team setting and that team bonding availability that you have when you're working, whether it's, you know, in in the collegiate or the professional setting. Uh, You know, one of our trainers here, um, Phil Muscarella, he works primarily what I would call, you know, more of a group fitness setting, but he's built a team of athletes and different people that come in and want to train with him and want to train with a group. So you can still build that atmosphere. I think one of the biggest challenges is, you know, in college or in the team setting, just in general, you have athletes that come to you. So being able to have the confidence to go out there and put yourself a little bit more out there, whether it's on social media um, or just networking, being able to build a client, client base is, is really important. And I think that's obviously a challenge for everybody. That's something I had to learn as I went through that process, because in college or in the pros, obviously you have your clientele right there, right there. They're part of the team and no matter what, they're going to come train with you. 
So I think that's that's the biggest thing is being able to develop it where these different athletes or these different clients want to come and train with you. They have other options available, and now you got to build and really foster that environment where they do want to train with you and get something out of the training so they keep coming back. Yeah, absolutely. And I definitely know within the the sports performance or strength and conditioning market over this last year has a lot of coaches thinking like, hey, is this for me? And, and you know very well, you said you, you've, you've gone through, I don't want to lose the team feel if we were to go to private sector, but you don't have to lose that. And I think that that's, that's a good thing. If I were to come watch one of your workouts with your, one of your football groups, you know, what, what, what culture you look to instill with you and, and your athletes? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it goes back to something I just mentioned earlier was just really the team setting. And by that, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that the athletes can see that whether it's myself, the other coaches that are involved, the interns we have, we all work together as a team. And the culture is that it is everything we do is for the athlete. We do everything for them. You know, we coordinate together. We work with them, um, whether it's as an individual or as groups, work with our medical team as well. So what we really try to build is this camaraderie and kind of this integrated approach where everybody understands that at the end of the day, no matter what branch you're talking to, whether it's, um, you know, an intern or somebody in our medical department, uh, you know, physical therapist or a trainer or one of the other coaches that work with me that the athletes needs are the priority. And from there, I think when we build that culture where it's about the athletes and their needs and their desires and their goals, um, you know, you have a lot more buy-in and the guys then help push each other to achieve those goals. So I think it becomes an organic process where we show that we care about them. Then they slowly start buying into the program. And then when they, we do bring in new athletes, they kind of see the culture that's been built and the, the veterans that have been there with us through thick and thin, they start pushing these guys and help bring them into the fold. So it's really, you know, for us, it's just making things organic. I mean, it's, it's simply how we do it. You're very much a businessman in the private sector and what you're doing right now and trying to, you know, establish that. What are you looking for as, as far as you said, you had interns and everybody on staff. What are you looking for when you're bringing somebody on into your culture? Well, I think if you look at the team we have now, obviously everybody's qualified. And so really, ultimately, what we look for is, are you going to be a fit? You're going to be a fit for what we do, what we want to do, where we plan on going and growing as a team. So, you know, in spite of the many qualifications you may have as an applicant, whether it's for an intern or for a position on the staff, ultimately it comes down to fit. Perfect. And what in your past, you know, you're looking at the CFL, NFL, and even in the collegiate setting and even your military experience, what best prepared you for your current role? Oh, man, that's a great question. For the current role, I would say, I mean, just being able to be adaptive, be able to adapt to different situations, I think probably is the best thing. You know, you look back, um, you know, starting with the military career, um, you know, different challenges that may come your way, right? Living in different countries, uh, 
you know, deploying different things like that, adapting to different challenges and situations. Same thing, you know, when going back to college, being able to adapt as a 27 year old going back to college, learning to go back into the classroom and then balance being an intern, balance marriage, balance all these different things. So being able to adapt. And then for me, you know, you go on to when I was at GA Illinois state, I'm moving away from my wife, having to live apart from her for several years, right? So adapting to different things along the way. So I think all those things have led me to this point where now, you know, no matter what the challenge may be, and you look at this year in particular, COVID, right? Being able to adapt to all the different challenges that come down, um, whether it's training outside and not being able to train in the weight room, um, having to break down into small groups, you know, training with masks, whatever it may be. I think the biggest thing is no matter what, level you're at is being able to adapt to the challenges that come your way. Yeah, that's, that's some very powerful stuff. And I, I know we had, had, had spoken before, you made a, a tough choice as, a, as a, somebody who's married, pick up and go and was it you started your grad school when you were married? I did. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's tough. Well, I guess what one piece of advice besides, you know, staying adaptable, would you tell to another young strength coach, whether they're GA or an assistant or somebody that's working their way up in their field? I really try not to romanticize our profession because I want to be real with everybody. I want them to know, like, <laughs> it's really cool what we do, but man, it's tough. Yeah. And we all have those moments where like, is this really what I'm going to go through for the rest of my life? And it's what kind of advice would you give to those coaches? I think, um, <laughs> Wow, that's a that's a great question. I think, in my opinion, that you have to really love what you do, and by that I mean love love the process. Whether it's the grind of grad school, um, coaching, whether it's at the college level or the professional level, and also having a great support system. Mm. I wouldn't have been able to go through this career I have without having a wife that supports me in everything that I do, um, you know, that rocks with me. And I say that because when I went through grad school, you know, she lived in Washington. She was the um, ED director at Pullman Regional Hospital at the time. Obviously you go to grad school, you're not getting paid. So financially it makes no sense for the breadwinner to move and, you know, go to another state where their job market isn't as secure. So we made the tough decision for her to stay there. Um, you know, and up going to the Rams, same thing. Uh, I'm an intern, <laughs> you know, making, I believe, $1,000 a month. So, yes, I made money, but you're talking about going into debt, having to pay for an apartment that I think was 500 something a month. So, uh, you know, making sacrifices there. And she ended up finally moving. We ended up moving back together in 2016. So you're talking about 2011, I move away to go to grad school, and we don't live together again until the summer of 16. So that's, uh, you know, being able to one, make sure that it's something you love to do and not just the romantic part of it as far as game day and the wins and all those different things, but, you know, actually being able to wake up and go through that process daily. Um, and then too, you know, definitely having that support system, whether it's family, you know, if you're a young, young coach, um, you know, parents or brothers, sisters, whatever it is, people that are in your corner and are there to support you, um, you know, financially, emotionally, whatever it may be, but just be able to support you through that process as you make these decisions. Yeah, that's a, that's a powerful story. Cause when, when I first heard that and, you know, I'm married and I got kids too, and that's a, that's a, that's a hell of a decision, but it's a good that you know, you and your wife are on the same page and she's very much willing to support you and, and, and get things going. 
you know, you started as an intern with the Rams and eventually work your way up to, you know, the head assistant. What was that experience like? And what, what do you think was like a characteristic that you had that got you from low guy on the totem pole to, you know, you know, all the way up to second in, in command on, on the strength and conditioning side of things? Yeah, I think, um, man, that, first of all, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, looking back at it, I think, nice. uh, you know, the thing that got me the opportunity to move from incident to assistant was really just the work ethic, you know, being able to show up every day. Uh, you know, for me, I took pride in showing up early, you know, like some people are, you know, not into waking up as early, whatever. Um, I don't judge either way. I had a lot of fun waking up early, trying to be in the building before 4 a.m. to not just to merely show up, but just to have fun stocking the water bottle. So every day, go in the weight room. That was my thing, right? You go in. I made it a fun experience for myself as I went through stocking the water bottles, um, OCD. So, you know, you sit there and make sure the Gatorade labels are facing the same way. And and that was nothing that my mentor and boss at the time, Rock Gullickson, made me do. He didn't tell me to make every label face the same way. But if I'm going to be there at 4 a.m. stocking water bottles, I might as well make it a fun challenge for myself. So I, I would do stuff like that, right? You know, you come in. Uh, do anything and everything you can to help, um, you know, helping in walkthroughs. I still remember getting punched in the chest one time by a player, not intentionally, but on walkthrough coming off as a DN and he was a left tackle. And, you know, he just did a nice little extension there with his left hand and caught me in the chest and I lost my breath and <laughs> they all thought it was funny, <laughs> but, uh, you know, just little things like that, just being willing to help out whatever it may be, uh, you know, at home on the road, help the equipment guys out as they, you know, whenever they needed stuff. So I think just showing that you're, you know, you're willing to do whatever it is to help the team and then, have fun with the process, right? Like, I mean, there, nobody wants to have somebody around that's going to be complaining about every little thing along the way. So you really do have to enjoy that part of the process, whether it's waking up early, staying late. And, you know, like I said earlier, I mean, you have to love both the pros and the cons if you're really trying to, you know, be in a certain position. That's a lot of information right there. You know, showing up before four, I mean, we're strength, we're strength coaches. So early mornings, is just part of what we do. But before four, that's a, that's a, that's a task. And, and then just to fill the supplements, cause that's just what you do and, and do it right. Did that come from the military? Did it come from your upbringing or was it from your previous staffs where you're like, not only am I going to do this, I'm going to do it right. And I'm going to make it fun. Cause if you're going to do it, you might as well just you know, make, make it fun. Where, where did that come from? Yeah, I think that it's really my upbringing and then just conscious decisions along the way. Mm. Right? I mean, just because you have a certain upbringing doesn't mean you continue something throughout the rest of your life. You have to make a conscious decision daily to make that effort and put that effort forward. Uh, for me, too, it's, it was also a little bit of the competitiveness, right? I'm no longer like competing as an athlete or trying to lift the biggest weights or anything like that. And there was a coach uh, by the name of Frank Bush. He's still with the um, New York Jets. He would always show up early as well. That was his thing. Um, whether it's to sit in the office, um, you know, go over work or come in the weight room, whatever it may be, we would compete to be the first one in the parking lot. Now, granted, I wasn't going to show up at 2 a.m. just to beat him, but we would always talk crap if the other was later than 4 a.m. And that continued even when I became the top assistant and we both moved out to LA, you know, some days I would just mess around with him and I wouldn't come in as early. Like if I went on a day with my wife, I'd leave the car there 
And if if you left the building and the car was there, you'd find a way to mark the tires to make sure that that car wasn't left there overnight because then we'd talk crap the next day, right? So we just had fun with it. You know, you make fun, make it a fun um, competition. Uh, you know, just tonight, just embracing the grind, I guess. And, you know, we don't do this year year round. Like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I woke up at 4 a.m. Or, or, you know, 3.30 a.m. every day to get in there that early, um, you know, during the off season, during the season, there you balance it out. But that was definitely something that was consistent for most of the year. And, and I had a lot of fun with it. No, that's awesome. But yeah, just, you know, yeah, to your point, sorry, I just kind of went off track there, but to your point, I think, you know, it has, has to do, you know, a little bit of the up combination upbringing military career, and then just still to this day, a conscious decision to wake up every day at a certain time, right? You got to make that sacrifice. Absolutely. And, Right after the NFL, you well, you went to the CFL, correct? Well, and you know what? Well, yeah, there was actually a, there was a group gap there. Um, okay. Before, so when I got let go by the Rams, um, that was shortly after the Super Bowl. Um, you know, obviously, like anyone that gets let go from a job, there's a little bit of disappointment. Why me? All those different questions. Um, you know, shortly after I decided to go on a road trip and um, that road trip, the purpose was to really kind of expand my network, put myself out there. I was still under contract with the Rams, so getting a paycheck. And so I was blessed to be in that position, but I decided to travel around the country in my forerunner and meet different coaches. Um, you know, I had the opportunity to go out to Colorado, went on a quick trip out there, visited family, spent time with Coach Caulfield, did that as an initial trial run, and then came home and packed up to go on, a, I think it was a six or eight week road trip around the country. I, you know, stopped by Texas Tech, saw Rusty Witt, who was there at the time, um, got introduced um, through former players, reached out, and they introduced me to guys like Coach Moffitt, um, Coach Cochran and uh, Jeff Dillman. And, you know, so trans was able to, let's see, I went to LSU, went to Bama, went to South Carolina, went to see the Dolphins, and then just traveled all the way up, all the way to um, New York, went as far as New York, went to visit the Redskins, went, uh, you know, visited with Jerry Palmieri, with the Giants at the time, and just went all over the country, staying in the back of my forerunner. And to me, that was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun doing that, going out and catching up with, old friends that had been in the military as well as making new friends and coaches and, you know, just expanding my network learning along the way. And then for me, seeing the country. So, you know, something like that driving around is definitely a grind physically, but mentally it was a lot of fun for me being able to get out there, um, you know, enjoy the, you know, simply put the beauty of nature, uh, just different things, seeing different things I probably wouldn't have seen, you know, if you're flying place to place and then really saving money, standing in the back of my forerunner, right? Or sleeping on people's couches. So, yeah, that's kind of what I did prior to um, prior to my opportunity with the uh, CFL. And that's something I take a lot of pride in. And, you know, I tell coaches, if there's ever the opportunity to travel, you know, meet other coaches, expand your network, I think it's um, it's worth the sacrifice. Yeah, that that is – and how long was that, that time from leaving the Rams to going to the CFL? Let's see. I left I left the Rams in shortly after the Super Bowl. So what was it? February of uh, seventeen, and then went to the CFL in June of that year. Okay, and, and you were you were literally had a, had a like a, what? Did you have an air mattress and some pillows in, in your in your forerunner? 
yeah, I had a, a camping uh, air mattress, to, you know, pick something up at REI, fit it on one side of the, the back of the Forerunner, and then had these, uh, you know, boxes with my clothes and other necessities on the other side and, you know, was able to travel around. I have some videos somewhere of, you know, stopping at the pilots where I would spend the night. I, I was hooked up with a, um, what is it, a pilot's professional card. And so after every 50 gallons of a fill up, I'd be able to get a free shower at these uh, different pilot truck stops along the way. So it was a pretty cool experience. You know, I got to see the country very differently and um, definitely not a fan of the humidity in uh, Louisiana. I'll say that much. Uh, I've, I've, I've heard about how bad it is. And that's just a, a testament to who you are. When a coach gets let, let go, I know a lot of people tend to you know, get bitter and resentful and I'm not saying it didn't happen, but you know, you chose to load up your car and just travel literally across the country and up and down and back and forth again, just to, you know, talk to other coaches and, and, and see the country. That's, that's pretty crazy. You know, how, how did you pass the time? Were you an audiobooks guy? Did you just listen to radio? Cause I mean, I, that's the first thing I think I was like, man, I'd better have a playlist on point to last me for a long time to get through there. Yeah, it was a, <laughs> that that was a fun combination of a bunch of different things. Um, you know, first of all, you already mentioned the audiobooks, podcast playlists. Those were the big things. Uh, the other thing I made a conscious effort as I drove around the country was to go through my phone book and catch up with everybody. Mm, okay. You know, set up times to, you know, like call people, you know, obviously everybody was still working, so they couldn't really talk during the middle of the day. But, um, you know, try to text, call, get in touch with people, you know hit up people along the way. So different cities, as I drove through, I was able to meet up with people if their schedules allowed. So really it just gave me an opportunity to reach back out to other people that I hadn't been in touch with for a very long time. And that, that was a lot of fun for me, uh, catching up with old military friends, people that I'd served with who I hadn't seen in five or six years. And, you know, just enjoy the process. Like, it, listen, it, driving, kind of sucks. I'm not a huge fan now of driving long distances, but I mean, it was, it was fun for me at the time because you, you kind of have to put yourself in that mindset of, you know, why you're going through it. And then the same thing is how can I make this an enjoyable experience? The other thing is I love food. So everywhere I went, you know, that was a big priority for me is, Hey, even if people weren't able to meet up, they could tell me the best food spots to stop by, try different things. So it made that part of the process as well. Hearing your story, it, it, you're taking what some people would perceive to have a lemon and then turning it into lemonade, whether it's, you know, traveling across the country, you know, even if it's just a quick, you know, hey, what's up in your area? You got any advice on where I could eat? And, and even like you said, getting to uh, the, the weight room early in the morning. Is that something that you took with you? Like beyond that, like, did that have a big impact in the coach you are today, that little that little period from before the CFL and then working your way up in the NFL. Yeah, it's definitely had a huge impact on what I do today and how I operate. I think it gives me a very big appreciation for the job and the grind that people go through. Um, you know, we don't always see um, how mm. tough it is for different coaches, uh, you know, especially like you're talking about right now with COVID and all the challenges, you know, whether it's a big time school or a small, smaller D2, D3 school, the challenges they had, it definitely, when I do speak to people, it definitely gives me a bigger appreciation for the, the challenges they face. And it's also been 
provided me with the opportunity to give advice to different coaches as well. You know, as coaches uh, hear about that story, you know, they've reached out to maybe have a little bit more in-depth conversation about some of the things I've experienced and maybe some advice. I might, I certainly don't have all the answers, but if I'm able to provide a bit of advice, I, I feel good about it. You know, being able to just provide something that may help with someone going through a tough decision or a challenging time in their career. Is that something that you try to instill on your athletes as well? Cause you know, if you know, however you're one of your athletes, I'd be like, dude, this is coaches about that life. He's, you know, he's been there. Like he's here cause he wants to be here. You know, is that something that you try to show your athletes as well? I do, but I don't try to force it. You know, the big thing is mm. making things organic, right? So yeah. for us, you know, as you go through this process, you're training guys that come in and train, what we try to do is foster an environment where at the end of the day, they love to be there. So a lot of times you'll see when the workout's done, if you were to come hang out, you know, you see that training sessions done, whatever guys are just hanging out. We're talking. Right. And so that's kind of where these things and these conversations come up, having different conversations with the guys or, you know, a little bit more in the private sector, going out, having lunch with the guys and, catching up and, you know, just sharing different experiences, whatever they may be going through, maybe being able to speak on that. And so I don't necessarily put it out there, but if it does come up, you know, in an organic way, then you start telling them a little bit more about your life story. And I would say more often than not, it does come out because these guys, as you establish these relationships with them, they start to see that you truly care. They want to get to know more about you as well as, you know, you learn more about them. You know, it's a little give and take. So I think sharing a little bit with them, um, they get to see that side and, you know, how I was able to make it through some experiences. And same thing, like now we got a couple of guys that as they went through the process, trained with us, you know, they expected to make a 53-man roster and they didn't. Mm. Well, you know, that so is life. I mean, it, it just, right. it, or such is life. It just happens that way, right? Like you're not always going to get what you want. So um, being able to have those conversations with them now as they're going through this process of maybe not making a roster or whatnot, facing different challenges, it's, um, yeah, that's where these experiences are able to um, kind of help out in those conversations. Definitely. And following you on Instagram and anybody that follows you on Instagram, it's very apparent you are a very dedicated photographer. So w- <laughs> when did that come up? Uh, you know, was it on the road trip or was it somewhere else? Cause I, I've been talking with other coaches and I think the big thing, another, I think other coaches want to hear is like, we have a life outside of just this one part of our profession, you know, whether it's photography or, you know, kids or, you know, pets or whatever it may be. Yeah. I think it's important to know like, Hey, we are humans and there's more aspects just to the X's and O's of the weight room. Where do the photography come up? I think over the years, uh, you know, I going back to uh, something I said earlier, I love food. So over the years, I'd taken a lot of food pictures with my phone. You know, you go through that process, whatnot. Then slowly as these iPhones get better and better, shout out to Apple. I'm not an Android guy, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, you know, you take a lot of pictures of the food, whatnot, and Mm. then start taking other pictures because as the phones get better, you know, you, I feel more comfortable taking pictures of other things. And then for my 40th birthday, my wife got me my first camera. And within the span of three months, I, shot something like 8,000 pictures Wow! practicing, um, learning photography, you know, coaches talk about, Hey, what books are you reading or whatnot? 
I'll tell you during quarantine, I didn't read a single book. I would go online, watch YouTube videos on how to become a better photographer, lighting, learning about ISO, shutter speed, whatever, you name it, just learning different things. Um, you know, trying to build a new hobby. Right. So, uh, after that, went and picked up another camera and based on the guys I'm trained with, I'm provided a unique opportunity to shoot different things, different athletes, different situations. And so just taking advantage of that. And, you know, these guys have been very encouraging. <laughs> I'm giving me the opportunity to shoot them. And, uh, you know, interesting enough, out of the guys that trained with us this offseason at Sports Academy, quite a few of them actually have photography as a hobby. Oh, nice. So we were able to have these conversations. And, you know, a couple of them had actually taken photography classes in college. So I bounce ideas off of them. We talk about different things. And even to this day, you know, some of the text message exchanges have nothing to do with football and training. It's about, hey, check this picture out. What do you think of this edit? And, you know, what do you think I could do better? Or they'd send pictures as well and we give feedback. And so it's just, for me, it's a lot of fun. I think the vision I have, you know, as you mentioned, you go through my Instagram, I don't really have a lot of training videos. There's nothing instructional, nothing great. I think there are a lot of great coaches that do that out there. And I'm not trying to be one of them. What I try to show on social media is who I am as a person, the coach, you know, life that I live. Uh, not necessarily what I am in the world and what I do. And so it gives players, athletes, parents, whatever it may be, colleagues, a glimpse into who I am as a person. And so that's what I've kind of tried to do with my Instagram as far as going out there, taking different pictures. Um, it is a, a hobby for me. And, but I, like many things, you know, like I'm competitive, so I want to be good at it. I'm not going to just sit here and take pictures and randomly put them all together but i've learned to edit you know going through learning different editing software different things like that so i think um you know going back to your point coaches do have a life outside of it whatever it is you know i don't think you need to worry about impressing other people whether it's like hey i read a ton of books or you know i'm a competitive lifter or whatever if that's what you want to do so be it and for me it's become photography and eating good food and so i take pride in that i have a lot of fun in the process and you know, I share my passion with others. If they want to talk about photography, there's been a couple of players and coaches that have asked about photography. I'm willing to help and pass along whatever information I have. And so I think it's, um, you know, for coaches, young coaches, I think that's one thing that's definitely very important. I wish I'd learned this earlier in my career is to find a hobby, a life outside of the weight room. You know, and I'm not just talking about marriage or whatever, but like, hey, you want to be a good golfer? go learn to be a good golfer, go, go find something that you can be passionate about and pour your energy into. Because I think one thing that athletes, in my opinion, appreciate is a coach that also has a life outside of work, you know, and whether that's being a golfer, even if you're, you know, you're a competitive lifter, that's a life outside of work, being able to have passions and things that um, motivate and drive you. That's, a, that's an awesome story. Cause even in my quarantine, I had been researching and figuring out how to do podcasting and learning all the editing, all the software and all that, that cool stuff that goes into it. Cause it's good to have a passion out, outside of there. And now a quick question, and I might be dating myself cause I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm getting older every time, but did I see a, like a, a camera that you have that actually does, do you have like actual film? No, I don't. So mine are all digital. But if you're talking about some of the cameras that I posted on Instagram, actually, um, that would have been 
actually a couple months ago, I had the chance to go back to South Dakota where my wife's from. And uh, my mother-in-law had a box of older cameras. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and it was, um, dang, I'm trying to think of the name of the camera, the brand of the camera, but I believe um, my wife's um, great aunt had bought the camera original in 1953 or something to that effect. And so that was the camera that I was putting out there. It had the original receipt. She was actually a professional photographer. So mm. at the time, I think it was a couple of months salary. It was $300. And, uh, you know, you're talking about a lot of money back then in 1953, but original receipt with the handwriting, everything. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's a great collector's piece that I was very fascinated by. I didn't have a chance to shoot it, but definitely pretty cool to see kind of how photography has evolved. Yeah, definitely. Cause I was to say, I, I'm old enough where I remember pre digital camera. So I was like, man, if you, if you actually found film for any kind of camera, I was going to give you props. Cause I was like, I, don't, I haven't seen a roll of film in a long, long time. Um, no, that that's great stuff. I, I think it's very cool and it's fun to watch, you know, your pictures. Cause that's just something that's, you know, unique. And not, when I look at your Instagram, just looking at a distance, I'm like, Hey, that's pretty dope. I don't even think about, you know, the different types of lighting and stuff you can do to take some pretty awesome pictures. Um, if you were to pick up the phone and, and call Jay from seven years ago, what would you tell him? Appreciate the moment. Appreciate the process. I think, um, you know, seven years ago, I was an intern with the Rams at the time. And looking back, I think my only goal at the time was to do whatever I could to become an assistant in the NFL, right? So I'm, I'm a seasonal uh, intern, so I'm there for the year. Looking back, I don't think I appreciated the process as much as I should have. Um, that's, that's the reality. I had a great time. Um, I have some pictures to remember it by, but I don't think that I appreciated it as much as I definitely should have. And so, you know, I have said that a couple of times now. So yeah, definitely, you know, calling Jay back then would be just to remind him that you got to appreciate the process, really appreciate the process, continue to build those relationships and build meaningful organic relationships with everybody you meet. No, that, that's great advice. What's next for you? Like what's on the horizon? So it sounds like, you know, you're always looking into photography, what can we see coming from me for the next year or two? I think right now it's just trying to help the team at Sports Academy grow, right? That's that's where we're at. Mm. We're, we're facing a lot of challenges with COVID. Um, right now, working with the high schoolers, I'm back prepping with them again. We are finally working with them again. Outdoor weight room, you know, having to wear masks and different things like that. But we don't have the chance to play football this fall. So... The big challenge is motivating them and getting them to keep training, keep pushing, um, you know, throughout these uh, trying times. And then also start planning for the next step. And for me, that is, um, you know, the NFL combine draft prep process. So I'm looking at bringing some young men into the program, you know, December, January, whenever they decide to come in and start helping them prepare for their dreams and that next step in the process. So it's just ever evolving, but, you know, essentially we're just trying to keep moving forward as a team at sports Academy and trying to figure out how to adapt and make changes as we uh, go along. You know, COVID has changed a lot of things. We have three locations now, one in Redondo beach and one in Frisco, Texas. So we do have a bigger team and with that also comes more challenges. So being able to adapt to everything that comes our way. 
Absolutely. And if our listeners wanted to find you on Instagram, I know I, I dropped your Instagram a few times, but if they you know wanted to see what, what's going on with, with you, what's a good place they can find you? Best place to find me and get a hold of me is Instagram. <laughs> um, social media these days, right? But uh, it's jbleeb.agabao, j.agabao is my Instagram handle. If they want to reach out, get on a call, you know, I try to, my biggest thing is trying to stay on top of responding to your DMs whenever coaches reach out, stay in touch, uh, you know, help them out whatever way I can. So, yeah, that's definitely the best way to get a hold of me. And then from there, obviously, I'll give my phone number out to anyone and everyone if you want to reach out and text, chat, whatever it may be. No, I, I really appreciate the time, Coach. You have a, a hell of a story and incredible from your time in the, you know, the military and living out of a forerunner and, I think like even like your story about from was it 2011 to 16 or you had to go earn your earn your earn your keep and then also like be away from your wife. It's just it's an incredible story and you're a hell of a coach and I appreciate you coming on and giving some of the wisdom you know of what what real life looks like for us you know strength coach that has worked his way up and grinded his way to you know a very good position that you're at now. So thank you for your time. I appreciate the opportunity. I mean, hopefully. You know, coaches out there, there's something that they could take away from this. Um, you know, I'm always open to anyone reaching out, having a good conversation, coming out to visit us, check out what we do, or stop by to train if you guys are ever in the area. Yeah, absolutely. When, uh, Whenever this, the restrictions and stuff come down, I'll, I'll make my way out there and I'll bring my staff and we'll go hit it. You guys are looking pretty pretty swole over there in, in California, so I'll make sure uh, we'll get there on a good day. <laughs> well, I mean, for us, we're blessed with the opportunity to train and have a lot of great guys on staff that get after it. So even myself as the old guy on staff, I still have to push some weight every once in a while or try to <laughs> pretend like I, I know what I'm doing. No, that's, that's awesome, Coach. Well, thank you for your time, and you have a good one. I right, appreciate it. Have a good day. Absolutely. This episode is brought to you by Play. Play is a company that I've personally been working with from the start. Everyone at Play works to help strength coaches innovate and find solutions for our profession. From flooring, weight room equipment, outdoor spaces, and everything in between, Play will collaborate with you to find what you need. They work with everyone from professional teams to high schools, and they've always made me feel important and a part of the Play family. Refuse second best with Play. Find them at play.us and let them know Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0 sent you. This episode is brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder is the premier strength conditioning app for teams and private facilities. Used by more than 2,500 organizations worldwide, performance coaches can write training programs online for athletes to access on their mobile app or where they work out in the weight room view on a tablet. Right now, when you start a 14-day free trial, use promo code CHALK, that is promo code C-H-A-L-K, to access more than 70 strength conditioning programs directly in your Team Builder account, including four sports science questionnaire templates. I'm telling you, great people, great software. Check them out. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you to our great guests for taking the time to share their experiences. 
Thank you to Play and Team Builder for being great companies that help our profession. And most importantly, thank you, the listeners. Please find us on social media at Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Find our show notes on wherever you listen to your podcast. Leave us a rating, comment, and subscribe. And don't forget to say hi. It's great to hear from coaches from around the country. Talk to you all next week on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0.